0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine to those people who were here and lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time in a good way, who learned and grew wise, grew strong, and grew open in their hearts. So I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lines, and I ask them to help us to tap into that legacy, to use the gifts, the great gifts of those who have gone before us, to draw them into our lives and to help us, the living, to do whatever it is that we're doing in a better way, to do it in a way that we don't have to learn absolutely everything over again, to do it in a way that we don't have to reinvent every wheel, and to do it in a way that we can truly learn from those who have gone before us what just simply never works, although humans always try it again and again. So we ask these ancestors to be with us and to help us to open our hearts, to learn from those who have gone before us, to feel the truth of why we are here in our time and to use our time well, to remember that in every single day we consume resources to keep ourselves alive and let us be sure we give back in a way that creates balance With all the food, all the water, all the air, all the sunlight, all the everything that goes into keeping us alive. Let us do what we came here to do so that all life can be whole and well and in balance. So with the ancestors gathering around to help us as we continue to learn, us, the living, we continue to learn how to be here in a good way for all living things. So with those ancestors gathered around, we give thanks. We give thanks for our helping spirits of other forms who are gathering with them. And we take a moment and focus our own awareness into ourselves and our own energy. And we draw our energy down into our mind, from our mind down into our heart, and from our heart down into our belly. And from deep in our belly, let us reach down to the earth itself and take a moment as if you were truly placing your hands on the earth. And let your hands extend from your heart true gratitude for this day and all the wonders that are held for you in this day, all the gifts that it has for you, all the gifts your life has given you that have gotten you to this place. Those you understand as true gifts in your life and those things that have occurred, you still haven't figured out how that was a gift, but you will because in some way it all comes into the crafting and the cultivating of a human soul. So we give thanks to the earth for this journey, this place to have this journey on, for the beauty in it, the diversity in it, and the great generosity in this experience that allows us as humans to have a second chance. And for many of us, a third and a fourth. But the point is the generosity in this dream that allows us to change, to heal, to transform, and to become better versions of who we are. And so with this gratitude in our heart, let us reach down from the earth, down through all the layers of the earth into the very, very center of the earth and take a moment to connect with this essence energy that we draw into our life to give us restoration and rejuvenation and replenishment, to help to support us in a way that we can connect not only to the abundance around us, but to to the abundance within us. And we draw up this energy of the earth that functions in our life often through solitude, through stillness, through silence. We draw these energies up into our body, into our belly, our heart, and our mind. And we ask these energies to help us to truly understand how to ground ourselves into the earth, to choose to be grounded, to choose to have boundaries, to choose to go through the day in a responsible way. We ask the energies of the earth to help us to understand how to build a sense of hearth and home and to do so in a way that continues to inspire in others a way to live together in diversity, a way to bring in harmony and celebration for all that life has to offer. And we reach out into this earth energy even further to learn from life around us to understand how to be connected and how to be interconnected and how to ultimately understand this, this web of connection that is life and to allow ourselves to find our place in that great oneness and from that moment, if we could have one of those moments in this day, to come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the invisible world. So with the energy of the earth within us, infusing us, supporting us, and helping us to understand how to be here in a good way, we draw the energy up and out the tops of our head Out through the day or night, whatever weather it holds for you, reaching out, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos, all the way to the highest power of the universe, drawing down all the wisdom of the cosmos, touching that energy and drawing into yourself, into your life, into these proceedings, drawing into this day, the wisdom and the generosity of blessing energy the energy of protection, the energy of devotion and commitment and the generosity inherent in that. And we call in this way the benevolence of this universe. And may we feel this energy inside ourselves so that we can open to truly feel the beneficence of this experience of life. And as we draw these energies in, into our head and our heart, and our belly and send it down to the center of the earth let us be aware of ourselves as this place that these two great legendary lovers the beginning the first grandmother the first grandfather of all life and form as we experience that these two legends come together within us and create the energy of the big love that all life comes out of. And let that big love hold your heart and awaken the spirit of your heart. Let that spirit awaken and open itself to draw up the fiery passions of your belly so that you might begin to remember why you've come into this life. And draw down the crystal clarity of the mind so you can sense, this is my time, these are my resources, this is how I will do this thing. And we draw these energies together in the heart and they mix and they merge and they dance in this dynamic tension because they are very, very different kinds of energy. And yet together they give birth to that third and most sacred thing, which is why you are here. And may you feel that in your heart in some way today and find in that same heart the courage that you need to do something, large or small, it does not matter, but to do something in this day that brings your gifts to the best of your ability to understand it, brings them out into the world. And for all the spirit heart uh, help around us above and below and the hearts here in the center, we give great thanks for all the assistance that we have in every day. And I give great thanks to Lori and Mary and Kai, Isabel, Melissa, Keith. These are all the people who have been able to donate financially to the show. For those of you that are new listeners, this show is listener supported. And it is because of the generosity of those in the audience and their willingness to give um, that the show stays on the air because there are many bills to pay to make that happen. And the show is available All over. iTunes, the Why shamanismnow.com site, at the co-creator network site. It's all over for free for anybody in the world who can get onto the internet. And I give thanks to those of you that are helping me keep that real and make that happen. And so I ask those of you that are listening, if you are moved by the show in any way, know that you've been moved in the heart and do that most fundamental of shamanic actions, which is to let the heart motivate your actions in the world and to do something in some way to help the show to grow stronger and that is that can be paying if you want to offer some donation you can go to why click the support button offer any amount in any currency we are not picky and we are very grateful every amount goes directly to keeping the show on the air and If you're uncomfortable with that, just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'd be happy to give you an everyday address for an everyday check. But also there are many other ways to keep the show strong and to keep it alive, and one of the most important is to simply do something with what you're learning on the show. Use it. Bring it to your journey circles. Bring it into your life. Share it with your children. Test it. See if you can break it. See if you can come up with questions and send me the questions. But if we don't do this... We're all wasting our time, me talking and you listening. So understand that those actions that you take also keep the show alive and well and your questions generate the shows that come. And I give gratitude for all that you are doing to share the show, to link the show to others, everything that you're doing that keeps the show alive and vital and of value to those of you that are doing your best to practice shamanism in some way or to live shamanically in the world so thank you all we're doing this together and if you have um, any questions about today's topic which is what is shadow work if you have any questions about that we're live so you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can skype in from the code com site or just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org And the calendar, by the way, the calendar on the Last Mask Center website is current. All the classes there are open and available for registration. So um, if you're interested in learning the things that you're hearing about here on Why Shamanism Now, check out Last Mask Center and register for something. Um, let's, uh, Let's keep the ball rolling. Okay, so shadow work. What is shadow work? and what isn't shadow work. This is our topic today. Um, Shadow work and the doing of shadow work We just had a long conversation about this last week because I was with my students beginning the second year in the cycle teachings. And this is the year that we dive into learning to do shadow work using shamanic skills. It is my favorite year the whole four years um, because it is so much fun. And it creates such profound amount of transformation in people's lives. And it does so in a way that they are empowered to continue to do it. So it becomes a tool that you can use again and again. But in that week, we had a lot of conversations about what is shadow work and what isn't. Because people talk about it now all the time. And yet, their lives don't change. Their behavior doesn't change. And so... What's going on? Where are we confused? What is it that we don't understand? Because as I always say, we are all working hard all the time. We got kids to raise. We got jobs to do. We got soul's purposes to bring into the world. You know, most of us don't have free time. So if you're going to be working on your own personal transformation, make sure you're working on the right thing, the right energy to transform, and make sure you're using the right tool to do it. Because if we're going to put that effort in, we want it to be fruitful. And that, I think, is the, one of the great beauties of our time is that we have a huge – we have the possibility to access a huge uh, toolkit and that we have the, the capacity now to actually be discerning to understand you know, what works and what doesn't. And why does something not work? And how can I make it work or do I need to shift to another tool? Am I not working at the source but on a symptom? I mean we have the ability to understand and articulate um, our personal process in that way. And so there's really no reason for us to be flogging away at things and become hopeless and despairing um, or simply continue to lie to ourselves and do big fat spiritual bypass. So what is shadow work and what isn't it? So let's just kind of break down the pieces here. First off, what is the shadow? So psychologically speaking, the shadow is an unconscious aspect of one's personality that the conscious ego judges, fears, or rejects to the degree that it does not identify that shadow part any longer as a part of the self. Um, and this is very, very important, this, this ability of the mind, ego, personality to truly and completely compartmentalize these energies so that they are no longer identified at all. They're locked in the closet, as I like to say. Okay, so this means that doing shadow work then, just this simple definition of what the shadow is, which we can have enormous gratitude to Carl Jung for giving us. Um, But anyway, this means that doing shadow work implies not only the shift of consciousness or insight that comes from identifying the shadow aspect in the first place but also the transformation of the relationship between the ego and that shadow aspect that is a relationship dominated by judgment or fear or self-loathing or other such um, powerful human states of being. So it's a two-part process. The very definition of a shadow aspect of the shadow itself implies that. It is not just about identifying what what aspect of the self is pushed in the shadow, but it's about changing the relationship with that energy so that it is no longer in the shadow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the big-ticket item because the work, shadow work – is not finding the shadow self. Our shadow behaviors make shadow aspects really obvious. So you don't really get any big bonus prizes in my book just for finding a shadow aspect because it's pretty self-evident. It's very simple if you just begin to pay attention to what you're doing. The work of true shadow work is not the identification or the insight or even the shift of conscious awareness. That begins the process, but it is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the process itself. That the work is the transformation of the relationship between the ego identity person and the shadow self that was forged in extreme fear or extreme judgment or extreme self-loathing. I mean, these are survival-based, these are perceived of at the time they are occurring as survival-based choices. They are strong strong choices and they shape how we allow ourself our whole self to develop that's the important part of shadow work finding who's there is the simple part so what's important is that the transformation can't happen just in your own current conscious self in other words i see things differently now doesn't do it so good for you you know Nice start, but that's not the point. That the point is that, for example, in my shadow work, I must be willing to see and feel how the shadow self feels about my judgment towards it, my fear of it, and my self-loathing of it. So shadow work is a feeling-based process. If you are not In the feelings, if you're trying to do this purely in the mind or in the meditation or in some sort of energetic place like a journey, you're not doing shadow work. You're fooling yourself and you're wasting your time. That to do shadow work, we need to allow the shadow aspect itself, our heart, and come to feel how that shadow self actually feels and that ladies and gentlemen is usually scary business but that's all right because we have shamanism to the rescue so anyway the thing about this is where we as contemporary westerners particularly Americans are asked to feel uh, that which needs to transform we tend to deflect like if we 're shamanic practitioners, we tend to deflect into another journey where we ask our helping spirits to fix it, or we fill it with love and light, or we try in uh, up on the mountain in the men 's groups we try to be a warrior and kill it, right or we simply engage in some mystery school's you know spiritual teaching of the month, and we just bypass it because culturally in the whole human potential movement, which has become the body, mind, spirit movement, right? It's all one word now, body, mind, spirit. You'll notice the heart still isn't accounted for anywhere in the process. And without the heart, you are not transforming your shadow. You can flog away at it for years. If you are unwilling to move into the heart, which is a very, very interesting realm, you're not changing it. It's not shadow work. Okay, I know there's a whole bunch of people that are really pissed off right now, but bear with me. Okay. So there are a number of uh, very well-received um, misunderstandings about shadow work. I mean, we come by our confusion about this honestly. So it's not that anybody's a bad person because they don't get it, but here are, here are kind of a number of the misunderstandings about shadow work that we culturally carry. First and foremost, it's this desperate desire to believe that insight will be enough. In other words, I spend a weekend with a bunch of great people. I contact my shadow. I cry or rage or some emotional expression that seems logical. Um, I make a mask of it. I do some ritual as a group and now I've done my shadow work. So even with all of those steps, that is still just about insight. And again, Insight isn't the hard part, and that's a lot of drama wrapped around insight, which is the first step, which, you know, the thing is, your shadow selves are really obvious if you just start tracking your own shadow behavior, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so back to this list of misunderstandings. So the other thing that is deeply misunderstood is what the shadow is. Because we come from a culture that has grown its psyche around the fundamental lie of separation. And so our little contemporary psyches are shaped, are developed, our little psychological processes are all developed around this lie of separation. And so consequently, we assume automatically that the shadow is somehow separate from us. But the truth of the shadow is the shadow is you. Period. It's just the use that you believe you don't want to be. And again, it's just a belief that you have that you don't want to be those aspects of yourself. Now, a shadow self is not a lost soul part. And this is what is interesting about the shadow. If it's not lost, but they're with you in your sphere of influence, then why are we so split off from it? And that's a really interesting question. And if we don't grapple with that the, the, and come, really come to terms with the fact that this energy is me, it is present with me, and yet utterly inaccessible to me because of my own judgment around it. Now, granted, I got taught that judgment. I got taught that fear. I got taught that self-loathing but i'm the one propagating it now and this creates this profound separation from aspects of myself that are right here at arm's reach and most people will maintain that setup until the day they die it's it's fascinating i mean with a soul part your inability to access that energy you come by honestly it's not here anymore Most people don't have the skills. I mean, they could gain them, but most people don't have the skills to move outside of space and time to go find what got lost. It's not in your sphere of influence if it's a soul part. Your shadow self is right here, right now. It's not a lost soul part. It's simply an aspect of you that you have utterly and completely severed your relationship with, and yet it's still here. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating situation if you're not freaking out about how much it scares you and how painful the whole situation is. Okay, so another misunderstanding is about what a shadow self is. And and this, this concept is something we get more out of shamanism than we get out of psychology. Um, but it's not absent in psychology. Um, so anyway, the shadow self... Um, is, is similar to a soul part in the sense that it is treated as a real energy, as a real being in a sense. And, an, uh, I hate to say entity cause we are all talking about you, me, and we are talking about our own energy, but it's a real energy. It's not a, it's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's a real energy that needs to be treated decently as you would expect to be treated yourself. Well, I mean, that's of course the issue, right? Is how we treat ourselves. But anyway, you, you need to treat it like a person is my point. And in treating it like a person and, and accepting it, you can then it actually engage in shadow work. But as long as the shadow self is treated as a concept, you will fail. Just like as long as a soul part is created as a concept, you will fail to integrate it. It's been brought back to you by the shaman, but you will fail to integrate it if you continue to treat it as a concept. You have to engage with it human to human. And the same thing is true for shadow souls, that they are real energies. The distinction from a soul part is that they must first be transformed and then integrated. See, because this is the thing is we don't understand the relationship between a shadow self... And our shadow behavior. So because the shadow selves are aspects of ourself present in space and time with us in every moment. They have access to our consciousness whether we want to admit it or not. And because we won't allow them access to our conscious consciousness where our ego identity runs the show. Which is not necessarily a bad thing but it's what's going on, so it's running the show there, the shadow selves are left with only the unconscious to operate through, which they do with speed and alacrity, creativity and without apology. And so basically the shadow selves move out through the unconscious, drive our behavior in the world. And we do things that we refer to as our self-destructive patterns or our patterns of this or our patterns of that. And so these are essentially shadow behaviors because they're behaviors we do again and again and again that are motivated by the aspect of ourself that is in the shadow. These behaviors are almost always problematic. They're not always self-destructive, but what we could say about them is they always deflect us away from what we believe is our conscious intent. So if my conscious intent is to live my soul's purpose, I will feel that process constantly thwarted or undermined by shadow behaviors if I don't do my shadow work. okay. So shamanically, what this falls into is it does fall into the realm of the warrior. But from a shamanic perspective, the medicine of the warrior isn't death. That's in the realm of the healer. The medicine of the warrior is the transformation of my enemy into an ally. It is transformation through love and through literally the warriorship of sitting in the fire, being in the feelings, having the personal transformations necessary to relate to my enemy who is perceived of as different than I am, as problematic and to be there in such a way that that relationship can transform. And so, yes, the little mini deaths along the way because you have to change to do that. But that's the point, that ultimately, because shadow energy is us, it is our self, it's not even an aspect of our self that no longer serves us that we want to commit to the fire and a sort of, you know, shedding of old leaves and, you know, renewing energy. It's not that aspect kind of self. That a shadow self is literally a part of who we are, that we need, that originally was an ally, that has been shoved in the shadow and is now functioning as an enemy in our life. It is not fundamentally an enemy. It's fundamentally an ally, actually. But it functions as an enemy, and that's the relationship that has to be transformed. And it doesn't transform through killing it off. It transforms through sitting in the fire with that enemy and coming to understand it. And feeling what it feels and developing true compassion for ourself, true true forgiveness for ourself, and a true understanding of what it actually takes to love yourself. I mean, if you can love all aspects of yourself in the shadow, you'll make a lot of progress with your love yourself task on your to-do list. So, the big misunderstanding there that I'm talking about is this misunderstanding of how a shadow self generate shadow behavior and it's the shadow behavior frankly that points us back to what the shadow self is and that's what why I was saying earlier identifying the shadow isn't hard at all because we're doing the behavior that points back to it so that's really not the challenging part um, but most people who talk about doing shadow work they're largely talking about just sort of noticing from the shadow behavior and gaining insight about that um, and about the shadow self. But then they work on the behaviors. They work on changing the shadow behaviors. And the behaviors aren't the shadow self. Right? They are the symptoms. They are, are are an expression or a motivation of that energy. They're not the source of the energy. And this means that the sincere work people engage in to transform their shadow behavior, which has a lot to do with addiction and obsession and seduction and... Um, getting caught up in things in a way that depletes us, all this sort of wrong relationship we get into with some of the juiciest aspects of life, that, that this is exactly the point, is we, we're working on trying to transform those things, those behaviors, instead of being willing to use the behaviors to point back to the shadow self and deal with the shadow self itself. And why? Again, everybody all together, because we're afraid to feel or afraid to get into the feelings necessary to do that. Okay, so this means that there's a lot of sincere, sincere work out there uh, to do shadow work. But alas, it's on the symptoms and not the source and so actual transformation isn't really happening. Now, the important thing about that is that this relieves the conscious ego identity self because now you're not going to change it. After all, it gets to continue to run things the way that it does without having to change because it hates change and it leaves the shadow self largely intact, unfortunately still in the shadow. And this then leaves the shadow self available to undermine our conscious efforts at our new level of consciousness, same pattern, new way. Right. And it, Again, the shadow self is there to be able to lay out these seductive paths to self-destruction, yet again, same pattern, new way. And so it becomes this perpetuating cycle that doesn't result in the actual transformation that is the true gift of actual shadow work. So let's talk about why this matters. So first, the obvious. If you're going to do the work, then work on the source. Work on the source of the thing, not the symptom. It's very disheartening to work and work and work on the wrong thing or to try again and again on the right thing with the wrong transformational tool. In other words, trying to transform a shadow self with your head. It's not going to work. So if we can get clear about what the shadow is, it is the true source uh, of the problem and how we need to work with it, you know, what the right tools are, then we can actually do good shadow work. You know, because our shadow behaviors only point out that there is an aspect of ourself in the shadow, and that is not news. That is part of being a human. Our spiritual practices all the way back to the ancient shamanism and all the mystery schools and the mystical religious teachings in between, they all address this. Our spiritual practices all the way back offer us the means to do true shadow work. And so I'm going to offer a piece. It's a quote that I use a lot in my teachings from Pema Children, you know, and I don't make any claims to bringing Buddhism necessarily into my work, but here it is, you know, in one of the oldest uh, traditions of practice, of really understanding what kind of practice human beings need in the day to cultivate themselves. So she she says, generally speaking, we regard discomfort in any form as bad news, But for the practitioners or the spiritual warriors, feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, resentment, anger, jealousy, and fear, instead of being bad news, are actually very clear moments that teach us where it is that we are holding back. In other words, they point back to the shadow self. They teach us to perk up and lean in. And when we feel, we'd rather collapse and back away really good sign you might be dealing with the shadow energy. She says they are like messengers that show us with terrifying clarity exactly where we are stuck. This very moment is the perfect teacher. So she continues saying that those events and people in our lives who trigger our unresolved issues could be regarded as good news. We don't have to go hunting for anything. We don't need to try to create situations in which we reach our limit. They occur all by themselves. And I would add they occur all by themselves because the shadow is right here with you. It is you at all times. So noticing the shadow behavior is not the hard part. Shadow behavior can be playing small because you were told you were too much. It can be responding in disgust to the very thing that would actually sustain your authentic self and undermining the source of energy you need to have the endurance to follow through on that project. Shadow behaviors can be self-loathing for addictions uh, to substances or behaviors. Shadow behaviors can be allowing yourself to become completely depleted and exhausted working for someone else who is actually doing that which truly inspires you. So what most of us don't understand, especially those of us who just want to fill everything with love and light regardless of what actually needs to happen to support life. What most of us don't understand is that to ignore these messengers, as Payma Chodron says, to ignore these messengers, to ignore the path back to your shadow, that the shadow behaviors themselves create is the root of violence in the world. Violence, this little act of personal violence, is rooted in each of our individual denials of a shadow self. Because to shove an aspect of yourself into the shadow is a violent act against yourself. It is an act of perceived preservation in the moment. But isn't that always the excuse for violence? Everyone believes they're defending themselves. And this all begins first as we teach our children to defend themselves against us by shoving themselves into their own shadow. This is the origin of our violence, of humanity's violence. So to shove any aspect of yourself into the shadow is an act of personal violence toward yourself. And then to willfully continue to deny that action And the need to amend it further propagates your own personal inner culture of violence. Pema Chodron says the most fundamental aggression to ourselves, the most fundamental harm we can do to ourselves is to remain ignorant by not having the courage and the respect to look at ourselves honestly and gently. And this is the essence of the willingness to do shadow work, which is having the courage and the respect to look at ourselves honestly, gently, courageously. This is also the root of not really doing shadow work, is not having that courage, not having that respect, not having that willingness to go there and realize ...what you've done to yourself. And this is why we must do our shadow work. This is our path to peace. Because if we don't change our own inner personal culture of violence within ourselves, ...we propagate violence in the world. Period. So the way to change that and create the possibility the fundamental possibility for peace to grow and spread in the world and for humans to not keep knee-jerk reacting to everything through violence, through this perceived protective act of violence. This is, this is the sh- reason for shadow work. To do our shadow work, we must be willing to feel what the shadow self is feeling. Not what we feel when we act out in our shadow behavior. Not how we feel about ourselves because of our shadow behavior, but how the shadow self feels about us. We're the perpetrator of the violence against ourselves, and we need to be willing to feel both parts of that equation. Now, again, back to Pema and her wisdom, which is endless. Only in an open, non-judgmental space can we acknowledge what we are feeling? So only in an open space where we are not all caught up in our own version of reality, can we see and hear and feel who others really are, which allows us to be with them and communicate with them properly. Now in this quote, she's talking about us with other people, but it completely applies to us with ourselves so I can't be that person for other people if I'm not willing to be that for myself. So this is the true challenge of actually doing shadow work. It's the work of that transformation that we must create an open non-judgmental space within ourselves where we are most judgmental and feel sure. That if we move into this arena, these feelings will kill us. So it is a profoundly contradictory, paradoxical situation that we are in. And this is the reason that we need shamanism to deal with it. And this is the reason our mind gets lost in it. Because our mind cannot generate the amount of will to override to two so purely conflicting survival-based beliefs. And it's important for us to remember, you know, it is so much easier to simply have compassion for others, to hold space for others, to be there for others. It's so much easier than to be there for ourselves. It's so much easier to accept in others' behavior than it is to accept it in ourselves shadow work because of this is messy it's illogical and it is still nonetheless the ground of peace we think the ground of peace is some sort of harmony and order perhaps even some kind of utopian perfection but if you read the books and go to the movies you know that that's not true that it's a false peace that peace true peace is generated through the messy, illogical, crazy business of doing our own shadow work and making amends internally for the violence we've done against ourselves and be willing to sit in that fire and transform our enemies, our inner enemies, into the true allies they were born to be. So... A listener recently told me uh, that people new to shamanism don't understand the shows anymore. (laughs) That the shows aren't basic enough and that on the shows I'm assume too much. Assume that you know too much. Um, And she said that as if I knew this and it made me laugh because I hadn't really thought about that. And it's probably true. Um, So let's review some basics about the shadow from a shamanic perspective. Um, So past shows new listeners could go listen to um, would be Your Shadow Self and the Divine, The Shortest Path, Crazy Logic, Uh, Darkness Guides Us to the Light, and Transforming Communal Shadows, Parts 1 and 2. These are all shows that we've explored these ideas, some of them at a more basic level, perhaps. So first off, with great gratitude to Jung, I mean that absolutely sincerely because it is on his work that is part of the collective wisdom that we share. I mean, he's one of our ancestral helping spirits, right? But he didn't invent the shadow, right? He's just one of the first Westerners to speak of it in a way with any accuracy and common sense that allowed us to begin to engage with it. So there are – but – you know, with that said, there are many shamanic practices for working with the shadow from much, much more ancient times, like the path of the obsidian mirror and I don't mean the popular adventure book I mean the practices around this idea of the dark mirror, the smoky mirror that come out of um like Central America and northern parts of South America so in addition uh, to The other thing shamanic people did pre-contact that was very important is that they chose uh, to have expectations and they created cultural values for the adults in their world that led humans to creating minimal shadow in the first place. So there was an understanding of the tendency for people to do this an understanding that a person held well in their community feels less vulnerable and therefore doesn't make so many drastic protective choices. Similarly, an individual who holds themselves well energetically doesn't feel so vulnerable to attack. And doesn't make so many drastic protective choices as sending selves into shadow. So, if you encourage children and adults to live in a way that they're energetically responsible, to understand how they fit into the bigger picture, and to have community values that support all of that, people have less of a need to respond to life in such a way they feel they are so uh, challenged that they would react. By sending energies into the shadow. So this is an important aspect of shamanism. It's not just about the shamanic skills to heal, but it's about a shamanic way of life that creates less problems in the first place. And I'm not romanticizing shamanic cultures at all in saying that because the truth of the matter is there's nothing romantic about it. It is hard to live that way. It's hard to live by those standards. Give me a room full of 100 Americans, and I guarantee you 90 will be out the door within the first 30 minutes just hearing what it would mean to behave as a grown-up. So, where were we? Right. Okay. So, this is what we know from shamanism about the shadow. So, that everything that that is you began as a pure and innocent being. And that you are innately good because you are one with all things, which means you are one with the divine, as is everything else around you. And so at your essence, in the very beginning of everything, you are innately good. You are divine. This is the core of shamanic teachings around the globe. So therefore, everything in the shadow is also innately good because it's you. And the fact that we can fragment in ways that functionally separate us from ourselves is inherent in, all, in um, all aspects of shamanic healing. Okay, So that idea that we can create this kind of fragmentation is inherent in that belief system. The other thing we know from shamanism about the shadow is that the shadow, while in and of itself, is an archetypal energy, which is neither good nor bad... That, that a, a person's shadow is not one energy. It is many energies. So it's more like a closet we shove stuff into than it is some sort of organizing principle. It's pretty chaotic in there. The other thing we know is that there's no part of you that deserves the intensity or severity of judgment that sends a part of yourself into the shadow. There is no aspect of yourself that deserves to be there. But there are aspects of yourself there nonetheless. Okay. So another thing we already know from shamanism is that once there, so once, a, once an aspect of yourself is shoved into the shadow, things get a little twisted and bent out of shape. They kind of rot a little bit. They get a little fermented with all the anger and being frightened and being left out. And they become, and everything in the shadow logic, the whole organization of it is completely organized through your own internal crazy logic, which is why the mind cannot deal with it and shuts down a good shadow process because it can't function in the non logic, in the crazy logic of the shadow realm. The mind needs logic. That's its beauty and its strength, but that's why it can't help you in this realm. So, the, the beautiful healing logic of therapy, which is beautiful, will not succeed in transforming shadow selves because you must dive out of that realm of logic into this crazy logic realm. So the shadow is a realm that we cannot normally enter through journeying for the same reason that we can't just welcome our shadow selves back, that there's that That barrier, remember I talked about in the beginning of the show, it's really interesting that these shadow selves stay put here. That this barrier that we've created is so functional. It also functions in your journeys. You can't just journey through it. If you think you are, you're mostly lying to yourself. Um, But with particular shamanic guidance, with particular kinds of helping spirits that sort of are experts in crazy logic, like the trickster, like crazy woman, um, like death, that there are certainly aspects of the teachers available to us through shamanism that understand how to function in crazy logic. You know, they can help you find the eye in the storm. But if you're going to try to organize the storm or wait for the storm to pass, you'll never transform your shadow selves. You have to be able to function in the storm. And if we're talking about shadow selves, it's a shit storm. Everything's flying all over the place and it's all hitting you in the face and it's all hurting you. And so you've got to be able to stand there and do it anyway. And so you need the kind of helping spirits that have that medicine, those that help you know how to surf the wave, find the eye in the storm to endure in the face of things that make no sense. These are all the kinds of helping spirits that we need to help us in this realm. So the shadow realm then runs entirely on crazy logic. This is the other thing that shamanic teachings teach us because of their enormous embrace of the unknown, uncertainty, the trickster, as I was saying, all those kinds of helping spirits I was just talking about. So we can spend years trying to impose logic through psychology or mythology actually on this shadow realm to quote unquote do our shadow work to organize that mess into something we can heal and transform and we will fail again and again and again. And what I mean by failing is we will, we will succeed in gaining more understanding and we will fail the compassionate return of the shadow self. Accepting the enemy, getting it out of the shadow, and transforming it into an ally. We will fail that piece. So we still remain in the shadow. We just understand it better and better and better. So what shamanism offers us is that option to surrender to spirit, to fully and completely surrender to our spirit help, and to allow that help to guide us along paths of crazy logic that allow us to locate reconnect with and recover parts of ourselves that have been lost into the shadow and to draw them out into our conscious life in such a way without requiring them to change at all. They just come out as the enemy and to accept them in that way. So that's, that's the piece shamanic skills can allow us to do. And this to me is the beauty of the second year in the cycle and the gift, a huge gift for us as contemporary people who live in such a way culturally that we inspire massive shadow creation without any skills to know what to do with it. So, so it's a huge gift that shamanism and the helping spirits offer us. So year two in the cycle is actually worth taking year one. If that's all you ever do is you, you just do year one to be able to do year two and learn how to work with the shadow effectively, you could do enormous work in your life. It's not even a bad idea. I hadn't thought about that tonight. But anyway, so what do we do with these shadow selves once we bring them out? That is the critical issue because that's when the shadow work actually can begin. So shadow transformation is nothing short of the warriorship necessary to sit in that fire, period. And this isn't sitting in the fire for other people. This is sitting in your worst fire. Your judgment, your fear, your self-loathing, your every shitty thing you've ever thought or felt about yourself. It's that fire. And the transformation that occurs, occurs through love. It is not about death. And this is critically important to understand. So. I'm going to do a little sidebar here. I realize we're running out of time. So practitioners of shamanic healing, if you do not know the difference between a shadow self and a lost soul part, you need further training. Uh, You would need to engage in the first two years of the cycle if you wanted to do that with me. Maybe there's other trainings out there that would actually help you do that. But if you don't know the difference, you need more training to work with people. And why does this matter? Because how your clients follow up after your healing work with them is entirely different given which type of wounding it is, whether it's soul loss or, a sh- or shadow creation. So for those of you wanting help with either, no. so now for everyday listeners out there who are not shamanic healers, who maybe don't need more training, you just want help with this whole shadow thing. Yes. I do both soul retrieval work and shadow self-healings long distance. You can contact Andrea through the lastmasscenter.org website. Okay, so you can get help with this, right? Shamanic practitioners, though, you need further training if you don't understand the difference in these two energies and how to help people deal with it once you've helped them work with these energies. Okay, so now back to our show. Okay, so what do we know about, uh, from shamanism about transforming the shadow? One, logic will not help you. It will only hinder you. Two, the shadow self, when first rescued from the closet, is functionally speaking an enemy. This is a good thing. It must be accepted and dealt with wholly. That enemy is not the problem. You are. And that enemy is created because of your relationship, your conscious, current, ego-identified person. It's about your relationship with the shadow. The shadow self is not the problem. You are. And that enemy must be accepted in whatever way it presents itself and not integrated This is the other mistake people make is they draw this enemy out of the shadow and they do all this work about what could the gift of this enemy be here. Let me integrate it. And that never works because the enemy is a false form. The enemy must be transformed through love and acceptance and serious transformational warriorship over time until it's restored to its original form as the ally it began as. So in other words – I'm a great warrior on a campaign. I got other great warriors with me on a campaign. I betrayed them. So they've gone from being allies to an enemy. So I meet them again. When I meet them again, they will be enemies. Now, if I'm really courageous and I acknowledge my betrayal and I make amends and I do whatever to make that right, then that enemy could potentially transform back into an ally. That is the dynamic you are in with your shadow selves. And yes, there will be little deaths along the way, mostly of your own screwed up ideas. um, But those will mostly be your little ego deaths, not the shadow self. So everything in the shadow began its life with you, right? Poised and ready to share in living your soul's purpose. Everything in the shadow is an ally functioning in your life as an enemy. So the transformation that is important to understand is the more powerful this true ally, the more problematic the enemy when you first meet them. And that the other thing shamanism teaches us about this transformation is this transformation is easy and can even be joyful when we have these um, specialists from the spirit world that function really well in this realm of crazy logic so in the cycle cosmology um the assistance comes from crazy woman and this show in a sense is actually dedicated to those students i talked about in the beginning of the show who just finished the beginning of their um year two cycle teachings and um out of that time there are some messages from crazy woman that i wanted to share here on the show and uh So so part of what they're doing in that first week is learning how to rescue shadow selves from the shadow closet. But the other piece they're doing is forging a really healthy relationship with crazy woman, which is not so easy to do because for our Western mind, she's pretty problematic. But without her help, you will likely fail in your shadow work. And so let me allow crazy woman here to speak for herself at the end of this program. So this is, this is kind of the essence of Crazy Woman. She said this, I will let you destroy yourself if that's what it takes to get you to learn. I have a long view. I know you have other lives. But what if you want it in this life? Well, that's entirely up to you. So then she begins to school us right, in how we approach life so that we can get it in this life. And she said this particular message, which I really loved this one day. Because this transformation of shadow souls requires that we love, that truly what we believe are the worst aspects of ourselves. the parts of ourselves we are most afraid of, the parts we are sure will cause others to turn their love away from us if we integrate them. These are great enemies who show us precisely where we are terrified of our true selves. And so Crazy Woman says really simply, today you meet a great enemy, a greatly misunderstood enemy. Today you meet what could be one of your mightiest allies. You must allow yourself to be consumed, all the while conscious and interested in all parts of that seduction. Stay present for the pain. Stay lucid for that promise. Be clever to see the deception. Revel in the mastery of your own self-destruction. Trust me and learn to live. You know, so this is crazy woman encouraging you to go into what seems to be exactly the wrong direction and to trust her that she will help you find the way through that is only accessible for those who are willing to feel. So this was my favorite message. Crazy woman said, tenacity, endurance, sheer, stubborn, I will not die today heroics. These are the qualities I test. Anyone can feel their passion. Few will do anything real about it. Anyone can follow the pull of desire. Few have the tenacity to discipline their desire in the service of their passion. She says, any idiot can have a vision. Few have the endurance and sheer stubbornness to bring their vision into manifestation in a way that is good for all life. These are the gifts, and this is the wisdom of Crazy Woman. So I'd like to give thanks to the helping spirits that are with us, particularly Crazy Woman. Thanks to all the women who stood in the circle last week in the shadow work. And I give thanks to your ancestors and to mine, to the ancestors that hold us well here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I want to point out to everyone that registration for the cycle is live. You go to August, which is when Massive Illusion on the Authentic stuff happens this year, and you can register there now. And don't wait, because these are not large workshops. So register now. Um, And next week, our show will be about why we have the responsibility to tend death well and to clear and release the energy stuck in our ancestral lines. Because without doing that, we are not doing what we need to be doing for those who are coming. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.